0: Hey, y'all, and welcome to The Hill Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. We pray that this podcast will encourage you, will deepen your faith, and will inspire you to make Jesus famous. Let's dive into the message. Amen. Amen. High five someone on your way to your seat today. (laughs) Tell them it's good to be at The Hill good to be at the Hill. If you're first time or first time in a long time, I'm Pastor Bo. It's good to meet you, see you today, guys, is our first of the month ride as well. And for motorcycle guys and all that, we're going to take a, going to leave at 1230 uh, at the Stockton campus. There's people with Jeeps and cars and all that going to go. We're going to go to Miller to uh, the Hangar Cafe. If you want to go, we'd love to love to have you be there. All of our churches come together uh, and just fellowship and eat good food. Can I get a witness? Come on, somebody. Yes, Lord. All right. We're going to be starting this new series called Spring Forward. I'm really excited uh, about this series because we're going to talk about those those areas of our lives that we just could grow, right? Th- that we could be, that could make us better, make us stronger, make us better leaders or, or families or or whatever it is. We're going to spring forward uh, past some things today. And so we're we're talking today, it's, it's frictional faith, frictional uh, faith. And so David, in this story in 1 Samuel 30, he's got a lot going on, right? Um, he, he's... uh, anointed king and then Saul's trying to kill him and he's on the run and so as he's on the run here um the the, the king of the Philistines, they say, Hey, look, David, we've noticed that you're bad. Come on, somebody. Like, you're bad. Like, 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 like you, you, you whip people all the time. Like you kill Goliath, and we know we need that. And so we want you to come and fight for us. They're messing with the lights. I felt like I was in a techno, you feel me, uh, today. And so he said, they said, We we need, we need you to fight for us. And David's like, I bet I'm in. Like, I'll come and you're gonna pay me to hunt people. Like, oh. Okay. Okay, sounds like a plan. So David, this is now David's life. And in the process right before that, David's hiding in a cave. And as he's hiding in the cave, these 400 men come to David. And they like, they come to him and the Bible says that they were, they, were, they were discouraged. They were in debt. Can I get a witness? Anybody in the house? In debt, sweet Jesus. And it says they were discontent. These people came to him and they're like, look, David, we know God has called us more than to what we're doing. I'm just a little discontent in my situation. I know that God has a bigger plan for my life than what I'm currently experiencing. I don't know what to do about it. I don't know how to handle it. So I'm coming to you from help. I'm I'm just a little bit. I'm just a little bit discontent, and I think you can see some stuff in me that maybe I can't see in myself. It says that they were discontent. It says that they were in debt. You know what I'm saying there. It says they were discouraged, and they needed someone to see something in them that they didn't see in themselves that could draw it out of them. Come on, somebody. Aren't you thankful for some people in your life that can see in you what you don't even see in yourself? what it says that uh, David did for them. And now they're mercenaries, right? They're, they're hunting people and they're actually going to war against the Hebrews, against the other Israelites. So now not only are, are they, are they mercenaries, but now they're having to go to war against their family, against their friends, against people they love and people they care about. And you know, it had to stress David out. Like, like, I, I like, I love, I love my family. I don't want to have to go, go to war against them. And so, you know, I was stressing him out and I couldn't help but think, you ever have that stuff in your life that you're super stressed about? Like you're going, oh my gosh, I forgot to check that one box when I was filling out my tax stuff. And now the IRS is going to come steal my children. Come on, can I get a, anybody know what I'm saying? Like we're we're afraid of stuff that is irrational, but it doesn't change the fact like we're like, but they have power and there's not checks and balances and they can steal everything I have. And there's nothing I can do about it because it's the IRS. You guys know what I'm saying? Like that stuff that is irrational, but it doesn't change the fact that there's so much going on in your world, so much, so much anxiety and fear about it, you know it's gonna happen, and you begin to believe the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst case scenario, and it's irrational, but you're just so afraid of it. I think this is what David was going through. He was so concerned that he was gonna have to face something that God said, I have already made a way of escape. Come on, somebody, the word says. When you're tested beyond your command, I have already made a way of escape. Come on, somebody, for you. He said, I've already paid the price for you not to have to face some things that you really should face. I've already paid the price for you to walk in victory. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying here in David. Nevertheless, David says, they tell David, we don't want you to fight them, and and we're going to move on without you. And so that's what happens in this story. And then they're on their way back, David and the mighty men. And it's on their way back. They see the city. They were living in Ziklag. They see Ziklag was burned with smile, smiles. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Burn it with a smile. Come on, somebody. It's burned with fire. And their smoke is rolling out from Ziklag. And the mighty men, they look at David. And they're like, oh, my gosh, that's our family. That's our friends. And it says they go. And as they get there, everything's gone. Their, their wives are stolen. Now, one of you guys got a little too excited when I said that. <laughs> Come on. It says that their wives were stolen, their children were abducted, and it says their stuff, their, 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 their belongings had been robbed from them. And what was left was burned to the ground with fire. Like I'm reading that story and it it does so much in my emotions and I wish I could talk about the fact that the enemy wants to come and he wants to 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 ruin your relationships. When he took the when he took the wives, it was show he was signifying that the enemy is not happy till your relationships are all falling apart, till your relationships with people, to your relationship with God, to your relationship with your spouse and children. He's not satisfied until your relationships are totally falling apart. But then it says he took their children too. And the enemy's not happy till your legacy is stolen. Come on, somebody. Till your future or your promise has been, the the, the rug has been ripped out from underneath you and and the, the future, the hope of a future is completely gone. That's what he's showing us. And then I wish I had time to talk about the stuff. Stuff is representing security and how the enemy wants to come and take your security. He doesn't want you to feel like you have any source of stability in your life. That's what he's saying. And it says, these mighty men, the people that David was closest to, like they were broke as a joke on coke when David found them. Like they were worthless. David found them and trained them. The Bible says that when he trained them, they could shoot a bow and arrow or they could sling a stone and split the hair off of the top of your head uh, from, from a distance, right-handed or left-handed. Now listen, I'm not, I mean, I don't know, but like if I'm going to throw a rock at you, I ain't that good. But it says that when David trained them, they were, they were that, at what they were doing. They were that good at what they were doing. And now the Bible says they talk of stoning David because they've lost everything. And the reality is, guys, when we come to a place of hurt, we are looking to lash out against somebody else. Can I get a witness in the house? When we come to a place of hurt, we're just looking for someone to pass the pain along to because we really have never learned how to deal with real hurt and real pain. So we're just going to pass it on because it can't be my fault. I can't have to deal with it. That's what's going on. David... It so says he gets alone. Verse 8, and it says he encourages himself in the Lord. Can I tell you, sometimes there ain't somebody cheering you on. Sometimes there ain't someone in your corner saying, man, you look good today. Man, I like them shoes. Man, look at that smile. It could burn a town down. Come on, somebody. And, and there's times that, 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 that in life, like there's no one to cheer you on and say, you are really good at what you do. Man, you're smart enough. You're good enough. You're strong enough. Sometimes there's no one around. Listen, have you ever, you've been to those people in your life that all they ever want to do is tear you down? I want to punch those people in the face. I'm not going to in Jesus' name, but I want to. You all know what I'm saying, right? Right? Like you walk up to them and they're like, what's wrong with you? Like they start tearing you apart and you're just like, okay, God, put your hand on my mouth and don't let me do anything on regret." You guys know what I'm saying? David is in this place. And he verses lashing out, he gets alone. And the Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. He began to remind himself. He said, I remember when you were at a place like this before, and there was a lion trying to steal your promise. But God said, Go after it and take it. And you caught the lion by the mane and you killed it and you took back what he tried to steal. I remember when there was a bear trying to take what God said was yours. And after that, there was a giant threatening the Hebrew children. And and God called me to go do it. And I went and killed God. The Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. begin to remind himself of all the things that God had done in his life. He began to remind himself of how God was faithful before. I wish someone would preach with me in the house today. Hey, if God did it before, he will do it again. God's got you is what he's saying. He says he incurs himself in the Lord and he said, okay, bring me the linen ephod, the presence of God. And he gets the linen ephod and he prays and says, Lord, what am I going to do? And the Lord was like, I believe I'd go get your wife back. I believe I'd go get your children back. <clears throat> I go get your stuff back. So guess what he does? He comes out and he says, I'm going to get, it. I don't care if you come with me or not. And the 400 men say, let's go. We got you. Let's go. So they set out, right? They set out to go get everything that the enemy tried to take. And the Bible says in about verse 10, that they come to this creek called Besor. right? They come to this creek called Besor, and they get to it. And it says that some of them crossed and some of them didn't. Basur in the Hebrew literally means cheerful. It's saying that, see, some people, had that because of what they lost, because of what they've gone through, because of what they were feeling in their emotions right there, they come to a place that they couldn't step into cheerful anymore. They couldn't get up and make themselves put on a smile anymore. They couldn't, they couldn't put on a happy face. They were so discouraged, so distraught, they couldn't even fake it. They were so, they were so lacking everything. They couldn't even cross a creek. I was thinking, you guys ever had stuff stolen? I uh, had a car stolen, truck stolen one time, had a car window shot out one time. It's the mean streets of 1301 New Hampshire. Come on, somebody, Joplin Moe. <laughs> Not really, it was a pretty much an elderly, retired neighborhood in us, but I knew one of them old ladies took my stuff. Come on, somebody. I'm just kidding. <laughs> It was a beautiful, quiet neighborhood, and we liked it, but nevertheless had a truck stolen right up my driveway. Um, One time we went on vacation. I'm talking about losing everything. We went on vacation a few years ago, and uh, we were unaware that that someone was going to play a prank on us. And we got home, and I may have shared this. We got home, and someone had gotten in our house and stolen most of our silverware. (laughs) I wish that was the end of the story. They also took most of my underwear. (laughs) You didn't know you were going to hear about that today, did you? I ain't even lying. I thought someone was playing a prank, and I thought it was hilarious. I was like, that's a funny joke to play on the dude. Like, just go take all of his undies. Okay, that's funny. Okay, that may drive a guy crazy. Nope, not a joke. Literally, we had like three spoons and three forks and, and not very many underwear in the house left. It was weird, right? I'm talking about losing some stuff. These guys, they they were unaware that they were going to face some stuff that day. And, and they were unprepared for what they were going to face. And they got to a place. Another obstacle kept them from stepping over into what God had called them to step into. See, there's some times in your life you may feel like you ain't got enough in the tank. But there's still a brook you got to cross. There's still some things you got to do. There's still some stuff you got to step into. Whether you feel like it or not, whether it's in there or not, you just simply have to make yourself cross the creek. I'm talking about fake it till you make it. Now, I'm not saying be hypocritical. I'm saying that if I'm having a bad day, you will never know it. You'll not walk up to me and go, go, hey, I don't want to talk to you. You'll never see that. You'll never know if I'm having a bad day. It's not because I'm faking it. It's because I've decided what happened on, I'm about to preach, what happened on this side of the creek isn't going to keep me from getting to that side of the creek. I've decided because of God, is so good in my life, it doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter what I face. It doesn't matter what I feel. I'm stepping over that thing into everything that God has called us to do. Someone right now is going, he yells a lot. (laughs) <laughs> I feel I've been pretty calm so far. <laughs> oh, they were too, too tired. Don't quit early, guys. Don't quit early. Don't quit short of what God's called you. God. I bought these shoes. I was doing a pastor's conference and some different things in India um, one year. And, and I went to the market. When I was in the market, I found some Armani shoes. Now, I'm from Cedar County. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I think it's Armani. I found these Armani shoes, and they were on sale in the market for $7. Come on, somebody. You know they're real, because they were $7. I think the actual title on the box, there wasn't a box. (laughs) They may have taken them off someone's feet. I don't even know. They were actually called Almost Armani. Come on, somebody. They look good though. They look good. The problem is they, I knew, I knew that the the first hint that they weren't real wasn't the $7. I assuming that that God was blessing me. But when I took three steps and the soul came out, I thought, okay, (laughs) I paid six and a half dollars too much for these almost Armani's. It was a mess. Y'all, it was a mess. And, and, and the reality is from a distance, you really couldn't tell the difference from a distance. You would go, man, pastor Bo's flush. He's got some Armani's on like, man. Okay. Like from a distance. When you get a little closer, you could tell. But really the biggest difference in, my real, in real Armani's, in my almost Armani's, is quality. And quality takes time. Oh, but see, when it's a finished product, you may not be able to tell the difference. But when you put them things on, come on, somebody. See, you're wanting to walk in some things, and God's saying, I've got it for you. But you're rushing the promise. You're rushing the process. And the problem is, the soul going to come out of that thing. They ain't going to be comfortable. They're going to be too tight. They're going to make your feet stink. Come on, somebody. They're not really going to be what you're hoping them going to be. So let the process be finished. Don't 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 waste your six seven dollars on almost Armani. Go for the quality. Come on, somebody. Amen. They're at this brook and they're like, I don't know if I have what it takes to cross the creek. I don't know if it's in me. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know. Some of them don't. Some of them do. Now they get across the creek to the other side, and this is where we're at in verse 13. They find this Egyptian boy. They look at him and they're like, This is who are you? And he says, I'm a servant of the Amalekite. No. The Amalekites just raided everything that they had. If if I was David, can I be be real? Can I be real with you today? Not that you'd expect anything less? When I heard that, I felt the spirit of Liam Neeson come on me. Come on somebody. I'd have said, if you tell me where my children are, I will not pursue you. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm saying? I will not hurt you. (laughs) That, That would have been me. I'd have been like, I'd have been like, look, bro, you just took my wife, you took my kids, I'm gonna take your life. Come on, somebody. Like, like y'all are spiritual in church today. I'm gonna be real. I'm just gonna be real with you. I don't think I would have handled it super well. I would have done something. I'm afraid that I didn't really want to do. I, I, matter of fact, one time we were putting up lights. Uh, I think I may have shared this a few weeks ago. We're a piece of it. we were putting up lights uh, in in Bolivar, and I was on the chair, and we're hanging the not in Bolivar, this is Bolivar, Nevada, and, and we were hanging lights. And as I'm there, this this demon pulled the chair off from underneath me. I don't know if it was a demon, but I didn't like it, and he pulled it chair off from underneath me and I flipped up in the air and I'm like and I'm falling and it felt like an eternity and when I landed the chair had positioned itself right between my legs. I thought one of the guys might go oh. I'm not kidding right between my legs. That's when I fractured my tailbone. (laughs) I landed on that thing but I couldn't, y'all know what you do whenever you don't want to show that you're hurt. I land, I was like I'm good. Right. I hit, and Eric Croy, who's with me today, was right in front of me. I hit, and I landed, and he was in front of me, and I shoved him because he was in my way. He was just there. It wasn't his fault. He was just there. I shoved him across the, the hotel just like that, and he falls over stuff, and he's all graceful, and he hops over some lights that are there, and I broke myself in half. <laughs> in half, come on somebody, it ain't good I broke myself in half, I'm hurting, I'm aching and he's all prancing I kid you not, prancing across the thing and it was painful and the reality is uh, when I hurt myself there was a natural instinct to then turn and hurt the person that was closest to me cause hurting people hurt people he didn't do nothing wrong he was just there but hurting people hurt people It's just real. Now the reality is, when I hurt myself, what should I have done? I should have leaned on that person closest to me. But that's not the way we are. See, when we're hurting emotionally, when we're hurting physically, when we're hurting spiritually, when we're hurting in our heart, the most natural thing that we do is lash out and begin to hurt the other people that are close to us. Because we want to do something to relieve the pain that's going on on the inside. So we just simply start pushing it out everywhere. Versus leaning on those people that are closest to us. Poor Eric. It wasn't as bad as I made it sound for him. For me it was. I I couldn't sit down for like a month without a donut. I ain't talking about the donut on your seat because my pride got hurt too. I was getting hurts and I was sitting down eating a donut. It was that kind of thing. See, hurting people hurt people. And when they crossed that creek, the most natural thing they could have done was hurt the Egyptian. But you'll see as you read this text, David's wrath was turned to worship. He looked at him, and I know there was an emotion that said, I'm going to kill him. But as he got close to him, all of a sudden, he had to have seen in this Egyptian what God saw in David. And he said, you deserve the worst, but I got his best. You deserve to be dead, but I got his life. So he reaches down, he grabs the hand of the Egyptian, and he says, can I give you some water? Can I give you some bread? What you deserve is death, but what you're going to get is restoration. I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. Proverbs 27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but kisses of the enemy are deceitful. Now, if, if, if someone was to walk up to you today and say, you can have a kiss or a wound, what would you rather have? Yeah, me too. It's a hint, hint, baby, okay? <laughs> I'd rather have a kiss, not a wound. But, but, writing to his children and to us and he's saying, sometimes a wound is better than a kiss because sometimes the person that's kissing you is just telling you what you want to hear. They're just telling you what's going to make you feel good and sometimes that faithful wound of a friend isn't what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. Because see, when you hear what you need to hear, it makes you a better person. It makes you a better husband or wife or dad or mom or employee or employer. Now when you you hear what you want to hear because that can make you vain. That could make you arrogant. But when you hear what you need to hear, it propels you forward. He looks at this servant and he says, where are my kids at? And the servant tells him. The servant of the Amalekite says it that way. Now it's interesting. From a distance, could they tell if this guy was an enemy or a friend? Nope. The truth is often you can't tell if they're an enemy or a friend until you're close to them. That means you got to let some people in can't be so assuming that they're there for you or they're there against you. Because often you can't tell until you're super close. They're, they find this Egyptian, servant of Amalekite. Amalekite means lapping. Not like a dog licks. Uh, another definition, or probably a better definition for Amalekite would be uh, like sharpening. It says iron rubbing against iron. That's lapping. It would be like, uh, well, when iron rubs against iron, that's, it's friction. So you gotta understand what is being said here. They decide I'm gonna move past how I feel, past my hurt, into onto the other side of cheerful. And when they step over the creek, what's waiting on them? A servant of friction. You ever been there? You're gonna muster everything you got inside yourself. You're gonna muster everything inside your heart, everything inside your gut to move on and to make it, even though you don't feel it. And the minute you cross the creek, the minute you get past, there's more friction waiting on you. Am I the only person? Look at you guys all acting holy today. Good for you. Let me let me PGA golf clap. I'm proud of you. Let me tell you about my life. Come on, somebody. I get across the creek and I'm like, God, are you serious? Come on. Like, that's how I feel sometimes. Right? Because when I cross a creek and I'm making myself do what I don't want to do, the last thing I want is more friction. Matter of fact, Proverbs 27, 17, later down on that, in that 27th chapter of Proverbs, verse 17, it says, As Iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. Now, we read that, and here's what we think. We think, and, and it's true. Like, let's get together and study the Bible and we'll be sharper. Let's get together and, and we'll pursue each, push each other on. That's true. That's iron sharpening iron, but sharpening is a, it's a brutal process, but it's a real, real pro like it's a, it's, it's not a, it's not a pretty thing. Like there's, it's violent sharpening. When you sharpen a knife, it's violent. It's not something that is like peaceful and beautiful. It's not something that, that when you go to get a massage, they're going to have playing in the background. It's a rough process. So God's saying, as a brother, when you can have friction with another brother, when you can disagree agreeably with another man or another woman of God, can I tell you that's like ironing sharpening iron. And that's like that's that's when you do that when you can disagree agreeably, when you can have friction in your life, but allow the love of God to permeate even the friction that you feel, it makes you pointed. It makes you sharper. It makes you it makes you uh, intentional. He says it, it makes you so accurate. Now Dr. Barr just did surgery on me one time and, and right before he said, okay, I'm going to give you an option today. I can use the laser. I think it's what we used. I was asleep. I don't know. Uh, or I can use a butter knife. What would you rather have? Now, the truth is, if you want me to perform surgery on you right now, I'd go to jail. Uh, but if you were to say, can you, can you use a butter knife? I could try and I probably could. Work it hard enough and get to where I need to go. I have no clue what I'm doing. But the reality is, wouldn't you much rather have something that's very accurate? That's God with your parenting. He said, I can let you be dull like a butter knife, but I've called you to be sharp as a parent, sharp as a husband, sharp as a spouse, sharp as a dad, sharp as a wife, sharp as an employee, sharp as an employer. And if you're going to be sharp, and if you're going to be pointed, and if you're going to be precise, and if you're going to be accurate there will be friction. It's interesting. This, this servant, The servant of friction, it's almost as if the natural way they should go, it's almost as if someone divinely placed this person of friction in David's life. Maybe the friction you're feeling that's causing frustration for you, maybe it has nothing to do with about the person that you're frustrated or friction with, And maybe it's very divine from God because he wants you to be sharper because he wants you to get better. Maybe it has nothing to do with what you think it's about. Maybe it has everything to do with you because notice what did David do when he crossed the creek? He didn't say, you son of a gun, you dirtbag. I saw what you did. I know what you did. He didn't do that at all. He looked at this servant and said, how can I serve you? person that hurt him the most. He said, if I'm going to be the man of the king that God has called me to be, if you're going to be the person of God that God has called you to be, he may be asking you to serve the person that hurt you the most. He looks at him. He revives him, brings him water brings him them, brings them some food, gets him, gets him into the place that he's finally, finally able to, to do, to, to give them direction. It's so funny because they could have avoided the friction and they would have wandered without reconciliation. They could have saw the friction, because that's what you do. That's what I do. I see the friction, I'm like, I'm going to go this way and just pretend they don't see me. Y'all know what I'm saying. It's quiet. We're like, oh God, they, we made eye contact. How are you? <laughs> like we could totally avoid the awkwardness, but it's in the way. See, often God puts it in the way so you will deal with it. Because he wants it to make you better. He wants it to make you sharper. It's so crazy as I'm reading this story, what, what is going on here? It's So crazy as I'm reading this story, they could avoid friction, but the reality is they knew that they could never have what God said they could have. They could never recover what God said they could recover. They can never be restored to who God said they could be without friction. Wow. So they revive friction. They serve friction and they say, where's my wife at? Where are my kids at? Where's my promise at? And it was, guess what Friction did? Friction said they're that way. They're right there. They're over there. Over that hill. They're over there. Where's 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 my stuff at? Right there. Where's where's my, man, my... I miss my children. Where are my children at? They're over there. My wife, I haven't seen her. I miss her. Where is she at? Over there. Are you with me? If they were to have avoided Friction, they never would have recovered anything. <laughs> God is saying, I've divinely placed some friction in your life, not so that you can, you can hurt them, not so that you can tell them how they're wrong. I've divinely placed friction in your life to point you to what I said you can have, to point you to what I said I'm giving you, to point you to promise, to point you to recovery, to point you to restoration, to, to point you to everything you ever feel like you could have lost. It's funny. Friction, the thing that most of us avoid, is often the very thing that points us to where God wants us to go. (sighs) I hate friction. I can tell you this, I didn't wake up this morning or any morning and say, God, if you could cause some friction, boy, that would make me a better husband. Can you have my wife just really tick me off this morning so I'll handle it good? I need work. I didn't I didn't wake up. I didn't wake up and go, Lord, if there's any way I could hit every red light in Kansas City or Springfield at five o'clock, and it takes me three and a half hours to get outside of Springfield at five o'clock. If I could hit every red light, and then I could follow the one person that's in no hurry and they're going ten miles an hour under the speed limit all the way home. I need to work on my patience. If you could do that, I would like that. Like I've never done that because I'm not an idiot. Because God'll give it to me. Come on, somebody. He'll go perfect every red light. Like, I'm not, that's not me. But in that same breath, I understand that friction points me to promise. I understand that friction isn't there to detour me. It's not there to detain me. It's not there to, to slow me down or aggravate me. Friction, this, this servant of friction was there actually to promote me. To push you. To promote you. To direct you. It's funny, it wasn't there to detain you. Hear me. It wasn't there to discourage you. It's been there all along, divinely, to direct you. So here's what we say God, I need divine direction. He's like, Poof, there's some friction. And we're going, not like that. <laughs> Never mind. See, I can't ask for divine direction and expect the path not to lead it sometimes through friction. See, it's all worship team. Come help me. It's all in how we handle this friction. We can't quit in the process. See, the reality is, guys, hurting people hurt people. But if that's true, the exact opposite must also be true. So if hurting people hurt people, then healed people must also heal people. See, if hurting people that are broken on the inside, if they hurt people, a person that has allowed God to restore, redeem, and make them new on the inside, a person that has allowed God to make them whole must also heal people. Notice David didn't say off with his head. David didn't say let's beat him and torture him till he tells me what I want to hear. Notice David didn't do that. He served him. And I begin to think of another guy. That came and he said, I came to serve the least of these. I came to find the broken. I came to find that, that family that has a messed up uh, past or a messed up marriage or messed up children. I came to find that person that needs hope. I came to find them. And Jesus said, I came to serve them. Romans says it was in the nick of time. When I could do nothing about my situation, When I could do nothing about what's going on in my life, when I didn't have the power, when you couldn't control your anger, when you couldn't control your lust, when you couldn't control your depression, when you couldn't keep it all together. Jesus said, I walked in the room and I stretched my hands out wide. I took nails in my hands and a crown of thorn on on my head and a spear in my side so that you didn't have to. In the nick of time, I took the friction to point you to your promise. I took the pain that sets you up for your eternity. And to think about this in the context of what David did, how David looked in a person that was causing him problems, and he saw the very face and heart of God. And I thought, how can I do anything different? How can I look at people that frustrate me, that hurt me, that anger me? How can I look at them and hold that bitterness and hold that friction and frustration and anger without seeing myself in them? How can I do that without knowing what God saw in me? The Bible says that He came and He lived a perfect life and He paid the price for you died on that cross, guys, had never done anything wrong, and he willingly, willingly laid his life down for you, willingly, he said, I'll go, I'll pay that price, he willingly laid on that tree, that cross, as they stretched him out and stood him up for the world to see, Remember, another verse says, unless if I am lifted up, I will draw all people. I'll draw the broken, I'll draw the put together, I'll draw the king, and I'll draw the servant. I'll draw all men, all women, everywhere unto me if I'm lifted up. And I realized it's what he had in mind all along for you and for me bow your heads all over this place. If you're here right now and your heart's not right with Jesus, can I tell you that He paid the price and, and we've got people watching online from everywhere. Maybe you're watching and your heart's not right with Jesus. Maybe you're over here and we're having baptisms in a little bit, but if you're here right now and your heart's not right with Jesus and you're ready to say, God, you can have my life. Would you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, I've sinned. I've fallen short. I've gone my own way. Maybe you feel like you're that servant right now of of friction and you just seem to be falling short all the time. You're exhausted. You're worn out. And you're saying, God, right now, forgive me. Make me whole. If you're praying this prayer, let's continue to repeat. I believe that you died on a cross for me. You came into my life to make me brand new from here on I give you my heart I give you my future I give you my friction I give you my world in Jesus name I pray amen no one's looking around but if you prayed that prayer with me would you just stick your hand up in the air if you prayed that prayer yeah praise God praise I need some people to help me I need some people to help me in the back In the back, Stanley, right back, right back, yeah, keep it up for just a second, I'm sending people to you, right here, yeah, 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 yes, come on, who else, who else, who else, thank you, Julie, thank you, Megan, yes, is there anyone else right now, I don't want to miss anybody, I don't want to miss anybody, yes, praise God, this is why we exist, church, is there, uh, uh, Clinton, Clinton, right here, right here, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Yes. one more second. Jim, help me right here. Thank you, thank you, thank you, church. This is why we exist. Anybody else? I'm just gonna pause for a second. If that's you and you're saying, okay, I'm ready to, I'm ready. I've I've decided today, I'm moving on. If that's you, stick your hand high. Because we just want to come pray with you. We've got Joe and Aunt and others that are looking. If that's you, just stick your hand up. Yeah, yes, Father God. Yes, Father God. As they pray with them, let's worship. Don't click out just yet. We're so excited that you could join us today. Don't forget to like and share this message and also subscribe to our podcast channel so that the latest message is always waiting on you. If this ministry has had an impact on your life, we would love to connect with you via social media on Instagram and Facebook. We would also love to see you in person at one of our many locations. For service times and locations or to give to this ministry, you can download our app or visit us online at www.thehill.us. We can't wait. To hear from you and all that God is doing in your life. Have a blessed week and we'll see you next time right here on The Hill Podcast.